Hey, appreciators, welcome back to the Professional Appreciators Podcast. Uh, we're finally going to talk about Oppenheimer today. That's right. It's been a long wait, but uh, I think it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah, but real quick, right off the top, Evan, I have to say, uh, we got to start booking some like A-list celebs on this pod. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because last night, I get home. And I worked a late shift and I had to stay like an hour and a half later than normal for, yeah. you know, various reasons. So mm-hmm. I'm getting home. It's like eight, I left about 820. It's like nine o'clock. I get home I'm looking at my phone. What do I see? A text from my brother. Oh, that's great. Love getting a text from Dan. Yeah. And then I see and I, I guess or uh, listeners, I, I can't tell you or show you the picture the Dan sent. All I can say is that it's a picture of a celebrity on the podcast he works on, which is the Rich Roll podcast. I mean, you'll find out eventually. You'll f- <laughs> if you if you follow Rich Roll, you'll see. But I don't want to announce their guests before them. But I will show Evan. This is the picture he sent me. <gasps> Followed by <laughs> pictures of him talking with said celebrity. <laughs> Bro, hold on. And like, this is this is an A list sub or or A list sub. What celebrity for anyone? I mean, anyone listening, you'd be like, that's a huge celebrity. I'd love to meet. But for Dan, that is a Mount Rushmore person he would want to meet in his life. I let me just say, looking at this photograph of Dan and this person, um, it's kind of like looking at Dan talking to an older version of himself. Isn't that kind of what it looks like? <laughs> it kind of does look like that. But also it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights. Like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Dan's like, play cool, play cool. Yeah, it's like, oh my God. You can see it's so much tension in his shoulder. <laughs> Careful how you turn the phone. We don't want, oh, yeah, we don't yeah. want people zooming in. We might not even have this in the, yeah, it might in not the thing. Well, I can say um, I... The one I am shocked by that. Yeah. Uh, And I won't confirm or deny if it's the person that I'm about to say, Mm -hmm. but I feel like um, for like, I would, I would like jaw drop if David Lynch. Right. I just did jaw drop. So it's not David Lynch, but, (laughs) but yeah, I like if they somehow got David Lynch on that podcast. I, I would be like, wow. Yeah. So anyway, be unbelievable. I I'm home from work. Just, you know, my pedestrian nine to five job, which you know, more like ten thirty to eight thirty job. But uh, and I'm like trying to unwind, and I get a text from Dan. It's just like, dude, like I'm just like you, mother. What? Yeah. I'm like wow, that is uh. Yeah. So, wow. That so is anyway, a, we got to step our game up. That a is interesting. Bit. Wow. Yeah. He didn't even text me that, which I feel like sometimes we'll hit the group text. Yeah. And well, so he, he must be, keep, he's keeping it locked If down. you weren't supposed to know, Dan, I'm sorry, but. We can cut this out. Yeah. You can ask him if I was supposed to know. And I, I promise I won't tell I don't anybody. Think, it's not a big deal. I won't even tell my wife about this. <laughs> you know, but knowing your wife, she'd be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. She'd be, she wouldn't, she wouldn't care at all. Yeah. So anyway. Oh, well, here's a clue. Thank Th- you for sharing that with me. Yeah. That is, um. Yeah, and I know if you're listening to this, that's such a tease. But I say that to say, like, I want you to feel, I want you to feel pity for me because I'm here, just a, just a civilian. Well, who are the celebrities that live in St. Louis? Let's start reaching out to. There uh, are a lot of St. Louis celebrities, but they don't live in St. Louis anymore. Well, you know? some of them do. 
You know, you got your Johnny Hams. Yeah, Ham Hambone. He comes through the every now bone. and then. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Glazer lives here. Yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Pam from The Office. Yeah. It's wow. probably not a good start well, that we not, don't even know her real name. We're not going to book her. <laughs> <laughs> My every, God. Every celebrity loves being referred to as their the, character. The one, their most iconic character. Yeah. Pam from The Office. <laughs> Well, man, I'm, I've been Googling Pam from the office contact information. Yeah. Can't, I'm getting nothing. Pam at office dot com. <laughs> that is a great email yeah. that she has access to. The That's office. awesome. All right. Well, let's <laughs> dive into Oppenheimer because this movie deserves as much of a breakdown and conversation as we can get out of it, even though we don't have a lot of time today. So. I'm sorry it's been such a delay. It took me a little bit to see it, and then it took us a little bit to coordinate a time to talk about it. But yeah, um, I'm really curious because we didn't see it together, so I haven't really had the opportunity to talk to you about Oppenheimer. I've kind of pieced together all. some impressions from your conversations with other people. Yeah. Um, my guess is you're not as high on the film as I am. Yeah. But I would love to hear just your general take impression. Uh, my general impression is that uh and i don't think that this is gonna be like crazy to say maybe it will but uh i thought of course it's a very very good movie like mm -hmm. from performances to casting to cinematography the making of the film like uh, the writing craft I services. really like I really enjoy like I, th I must say it's yeah. I really enjoyed it I thought it was really good yeah. I thought it said really good things the themes were really good it's a Christopher Nolan movie it's it's excellent that it's, said five out of ten <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that being said I mean uh it is a historical drama and mm -hmm. I think it made real efforts to be as accurate as possible and I think that uh, it came across to me as a historical drama. I think he took some, he did some really creative things. Yeah. Uh, with kind of getting in to the mind of Oppenheimer in some of those scenes, getting into his head, what he might have been thinking or feeling, and how he conveyed that visually, I thought was like really creative in certain scenes. But for the most part, I thought it was a historical drama. And it told a very complicated story well. And what more can you expect from something like that? Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't expecting to be, like, blown away, like, to have, like, a Dark Knight or Interstellar, like, right. kind of experience. But it's a historical drama, and I think it was very accurate to history. And that being said, there weren't any, like, insane things he was doing with the camera or the story or like it's based off of a book about um, yeah, the biography. real person so yeah. like he's making a movie that's based off of a biography so i thought he stayed very true it seemed to to the story and what happened uh but like as far as other christopher nolan movies it wasn't like big and bombastic and like these crazy like car chase like he didn't make it Right. insane i thought he like actually really measured his approach which was appropriate so i don't know i think everybody's been freaking out about it 
mm-hmm. saying how amazing it is. I think it's yeah. really good. Uh, but it came across to me as like a really true telling and you, I, you liked it as much as you could like a historical drama about a physicist that you naturally weren't that interested in to begin with. Yes. Thank you. That was distilled very nicely. Yeah. yeah. I see. I see yeah. what you're saying. Um, you know, this is one of those movies for me where, uh, the whole of it, when I can reflect on it as like, you know, a full three hour epic, I love it. There are parts of the movie that I'm kind of with you. Where like, especially the first half of the movie, I remember watching it going like, like, wow, like these scenes with his love interests, you know, um, with Florence Pugh and then with, um, eventually, uh, the woman he marries. I'm like, I don't know who, like the scenes are so quick and like, right. they're skipping so much time. I don't know what these people want. Like, right. Like who they are really. They're kind of just like these cursory characters in his life, which, you know, how did they get to this point already where they're like, yeah, spending all this time together, so but they're there, married. There are these really yeah. quick scenes with Oppenheimer and these women or other people where like, there's, they're having like drama, but like, I feel left out because I'm like, wait, why is this other person mad at Oppenheimer? And it's going so fast. And I was like, I don't know how I'm liking this storytelling. But then once it gets to like the middle of the film and the latter half, and then you kind of revisit some scenes and see scenes from different perspectives, I started to get in tune with the structure of what the film really is, which is it's not a, you know, birth to death biography of Oppenheimer. It's his life as told through a trial, not only like a literal trial, which was in the movie, like the yeah. depositions he was in and then the uh, the hearing that Strauss was in, but a moral trial for himself. Yeah. And so when I thought about the film in that structure, which is no, no, no. The point of those scenes isn't to like really dive into the the humans or the humanity of those characters and give both sides like, no, no, no. This is Oppenheimer's own guilty conscience revisiting these scenes. Yeah. And those scenes had impact later in the film. Yeah. When you see what his character, like his weaknesses as a person, what that leads to. Yeah. So when he's uh, having issues with Florence Pugh, you're like, oh, that was to show how uncommitted he is as a person. He is unable to commit to anything. Mm. He loves to theorize. Right. But he doesn't like to commit. So he's interested in the Communist Party. But whenever he has to, like, sacrifice something to be in the Communist Party, nope. Yeah. He likes women, but if he has to, like, settle down and commit to, like, Florence Pugh, no. Yeah. He barely commits to his actual wife. Yeah. And well, I'm like, and oh, and so... They hint even later in the movie that he wasn't, right. like, fully committed to no, his wife. No, but he goes back to Florence Pugh. That's yeah. a really quick scene, but I don't know if you caught that, even the other affair that they reference. Mm-hmm. Um, the right. woman at With the, the party, the other, or the it, other guy's wife. Yeah, yeah, but it's super quick. It's like yeah. they barely mention it. Um, so when it gets to the the last third of the film, especially when that that one um, interrogator is like questioning his morals, like, "Oh, you are now saying it's immoral to build more bombs, but where were these morals when you were going to Florence Pugh and cheating on your wife? Where were these morals when you decided to make the bomb anyway?" And when that scene hits him, and then like the uh there's like flashing in the room and it's blending with the actual bomb itself yeah those scenes at the beginning of the film that i weren't vibing with retroactively i was like oh that's what that was for it paid off later 
And when I think of the film structurally now, it's like, oh, this was all structured like a deposition itself, where Oppenheimer himself and other people or or poking holes in his story yeah, and poking holes in his character. And the film doing that had a great effect on me. And when it builds to the his final admission that, no, I did start a chain reaction that's going to destroy the world. And you see that vision of bombs going off. Like, I was just sitting in the seat just like, yeah floored and uh, the more i think about the film the more i'm just like wow that was i loved it It was so powerful even though there are individual parts of the film that i'm like don't really stand up to some of his other work but as a whole i think it is one of his better films yeah well and i we talked a little bit about like how it was paced as well which i think other than maybe killian murphy's performance was the star of the show yeah because it was it the way it built and released tension i thought was amazing and in that deposition scene it's so electric like yeah. you can feel it the way that it's moving back and forth between like memories and and the deposition and like what's happening in the room kind of in his head yeah um it's intense and that's one thing I thought the movie did really well. You were talking about the beginning and some of those scenes that beginning montage where it kind of shows him understanding, like realizing how everything works and how that affects him. And it shows his anxiety about it, about realizing kind of, the universe and and the size of things and Mm -hmm. and his place in that i thought that was like very affecting and like for some reason emotional just kind of having that awakening of like him seeing different pieces of art and different pieces of literature and studying and kind of understanding how everything is connected and makes you wish your brain worked that way (laughs) (laughs) yeah well or relieved that it doesn't yeah to a certain extent um yeah but uh yeah the the editing and the score worked so well together yeah man that i feel like that is what really built the tension built and released the tension in the movie Mm -hmm. and it made it feel like to me at least that it wasn't a three-hour epic movie the first time i kind of thought Oh, how long has have how long are we into this movie? It was like there were only thirty minutes left, right? And so it kind of really went by. It really felt like it had a rhythm to it. Yeah. So I I thought that part of it was yeah. There's definitely one a lot of, the, of one of my favorite parts of the movie was just the 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 pace and the energy that that it had yeah there's definitely a lot of heavy lifting by the editing especially early on i think to get people's interest before yeah the crazy stuff starts happening because really the the first like hour is just like here's him as a you know a physics student here's him yeah getting his first you know there's not a lot of like true dramatic moral weight yet so it's yeah. like the editing is really trying to do the heavy lifting and it does to be able to say that a historical drama a three-hour historical drama has a real energy and pace to it yeah like that's a big that's a accomplishment yeah. yeah that's like yeah uh that's a big deal but yeah you know i loved it and and 
you know, thematically, I think it's one of those movies that is just so laser focused on um, what it's trying to say. And it's almost a little heavy handed, but I think in a good way, because it is such a long movie. You don't yeah. want you don't want the audience to lose track of what you're actually trying to get at. So, like, from the very beginning, uh, one of my favorite scenes is when he poisons the apple. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot of symbolic weight to that because here's a guy yeah. whose whole life is about pursuing knowledge for the sake of pursuing knowledge with you know with no regard to the actual ramifications of that knowledge mm. and to, to see at the very beginning of the film here's a guy who is so careless about his pursuit of knowledge that he's willing to poison an apple that his teacher could eat yeah. because he was denied that knowledge because uh, he, he couldn't hear Niels Bohr's lecture or right. something and I thought that really just teed up the whole movie. It's like, oh, this is who this guy is. Right. It's like he wants knowledge and he doesn't care what the uh, ramifications consequences are or yeah. what the consequences are. Well, and he does that with his whole life. Yeah. It's yeah. And at the end of the movie, kind of in that deposition scene, you see all those consequences kind of coming to yeah. a head in that moment, yeah. which I think on the writers from the writer's point of view is genius to kind of put that as the, uh, the crescendo of somebody's almost consequence crescendo of like someone's life where it's like, yeah, now everything that you've ever done is on display. And yep. like, who does that happen to? Like that doesn't happen to anybody. I feel like yeah, <laughs> where it's that's... like, and now we're going to put you in this tiny room and bring all of your flaws and every decision would, you've ever made into that question. That would suck, especially when his wife was sitting behind him. Oh, my God. And they're asking dude. him about his affair with Florence Pugh. And he just yeah. has, and she just has to take it. And he's just, oh, man, that was brutal. That was brutal. And, I mean, uncomfortable. I mean, for for me as an audience member just sitting in the chair, I felt like that visceral discomfort, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I mean, the way that they shot the scene, it was affecting for, you know, for anybody to say that, like, there was no reason for something to be in the movie. I mean, it was very affecting. Yeah. As an audience member, I felt like, oh, my skin is crawling. Yeah. Like well, from this. Speaking of that, I don't I don't want to end this without talking about my favorite scene. But right after the bomb goes off and he goes into that auditorium with mm. the people in the stands and he's finally realizing yeah. the weight of what they just created. And he's having that vision of the crowd yeah. in front of him being eviscerated by the bomb. Yeah. And it's one of the most harrowing scenes I've seen in the theater in recent memory. Yeah. And it's just, you feel gross and it, 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 it works so well because the movie does such a great job making you feel the excitement of the discovery. Like yeah. you're in the room with the scientists and they're talking about it and they're telling you how hard of a challenge this actually is. So part of you, even though you know history and you know it's terrible, yeah. but part of you is like, oh yeah, are they good to make it? Can they do it? Come on, can you do it? Yeah. And then to release that tension of can they do it, not with, oh, they did it, because you get that a little bit, but then immediately after that, yeah. you go into that room into that scene and you you have that vision it just is like oh, what a what a masterful play by nolan to make the biggest moment of the film not the bomb going off the biggest moment of the film is 
Oppenheimer realizing what that means and having that vision. Yeah. Well, and just that idea and theme carrying through of we're cheering on basically our own destruction. Yeah. Potentially like we're cheering and shouting and celebrating while we're being eviscerated basically. Yeah. So just really great stuff. And also how impressive is it? And I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, like that, like nowadays Christopher Nolan can literally make a movie about anything like a a 20th century physicist and it's a box office phenomenon. It's, it's like, like a summer blockbuster. People yeah. who have no interest in this subject are, are lining up to see it like one, two, three times. It, yeah. It's IMAX showings are still filled out. I like, love it, man. The Nolan effect is like love him or hate him, but you can't deny that. Yeah, it's for real. And I love that, that he has. I love it when a great filmmaker has the ability to stretch and yeah. do something a little different or unexpected and people come out to see it and support it. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my, that's awesome. I was in my showing two weeks after it came out two weeks or maybe a week, a week, uh, the next week. It was, yeah. Yeah. So a week IMAX showing, I went two o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. A week later filled. They, well, and they're extending the 70 millimeter showings, I believe. Yeah. The, yeah, they're like, they only had them. They were only doing them for like a certain number of weeks, but now they're extending that so out. So I just remember looking around the theater before the movie started. I was like, there's this many people in the largest theater at our movie theater. Yeah. Filled a week later, two o'clock on a Saturday for a three hour drama about a physicist. Yeah. Like that's come on, man. Yeah. That's cool. That's just that's just great filmmaking right Movie, there. Movies are back, baby. <laughs> I hope so, Movies man. are back. I really hope so. Okay, well, uh, sorry to make this so short, but uh, maybe let's do like a quick rating. It's probably good that it's short because, I mean, all you hear is uh, we're sitting here and we're just going to praise it. So yeah. it's like all you hear is praise for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I think maybe it's good that we're yeah. cutting it off. So a quick rating. Let's do, do out of five... I don't know. Maybe not bombs. That seems a little too insensitive. Uh-huh. Out of five uh, chalkboards. Apples. <laughs> five apple, five uh, poison apples. After, <laughs> out of five um, difficult conversations to understand <laughs> through yeah. a difficult um, accent. Yeah. Out of five uh, pipes. Yeah. He, he has that pipe in the in the film. For some reason. Um, well, never mind. <laughs> uh Let's go with uh, pipes. Yeah, let's go with, out of five he pipes. He smoked a lot, yeah, or yeah. searing glances. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with mine. Uh, I'll give it a solid, exceptional four and a half pipes out of five. That's where I'm at. No shame, Evan. You just you give your honest rating. Numbers are they don't mean anything. I think that it should have as high a rating probably as it can for what it is because it's exceptional. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I actually think sitting with this movie and like rewatching it. Yeah. I I do believe that like for years to come, we will get more and more from it. Yeah. I can't wait to rewatch it. I think it's going to give through the years. uh, It's going to be a dad movie for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half as well. All right. 
Well, you heard it here. Four and a half Einstein conversations. Ooh, man, <laughs> Einstein was so good. But his accent was hard to yeah. understand. I mean, I don't know. It was like the music and his accent like combined. Yeah. I was like, I cannot understand what he's saying. Yeah. But he yeah. was a great, what a it great was, Einstein. It was, it was really good. It was good. I looked forward to those scenes so much before the movie. I was like, I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah. To to just watch him converse with Einstein. I know. I was more excited than like any any superhero crossover ever. <laughs> like, yeah, Einstein. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I was just talking to Evan before we press record, but I have a few essays about Christopher Nolan and about Oppenheimer and Barbie combined that mm-hmm. hopefully we can get to you guys soon. So if you liked these conversations on Barbie and Oppenheimer, but you want to go deeper be on the lookout for those essays hopefully i can get those out in the coming weeks yep but uh you know with all that being said you know the drill patreon subscribe like share comment let us know what you thought about oppenheimer did mm-hmm. you like it more than barbie did you like barbie more let us know we'd love to hear and uh, if you know any a-list celebrities hook us up oh yeah throw them our way guys yeah all right see you later all right